On today's podcast, we are joined by two experts from the Medics Money Network who are going to talk about the McLeod and Sargent case. So we're going to start simple and just talk about what the problem is, how it arose and who is affected. But things escalate pretty quickly and we get fairly technical starting to talk about the difference tax positions in the legacy schemes versus the 2015 scheme. We talk about the effect on lifetime allowance protection. We talk about contingent decisions. So it is a more complex podcast today, but it does affect a lot of our listeners. And I've put a link to an article on our website which will help you as well. And this article has got a password on it and the password is NHSP. And our email subscribers got access to this article uh, several weeks ago. So if you are not on our email list, I've put the link for you to join our email list below so that you can get all the latest information. Welcome to the Medics Money Podcast. My name is Dr. Tommy Perkins and I'm a GP. And my name is Dr. Ed Cantelo, a GP, but also a chartered accountant and a chartered tax advisor. And yes, you did hear that right. Not only is Ed a doctor, he's also a chartered accountant and a tax advisor. Medics Money empowers doctors and other professionals like you to make better financial decisions. As ever, this podcast is for entertainment only and does not represent any form of financial, legal or accounting advice and tax allowances and rates are subject to change. So on today's Medics Money podcast, I'm delighted to be joined by two experts in their field. Uh, I'm going to let you introduce yourselves, if that's okay. Thank you, Tommy. Um, I'm Debbie Wood. I'm the head of the healthcare services at MHA Moore & Smalley and chairman of the ASMA organisation. I've been involved in dealing with uh, finance for GPs for over 20 years and um, work closely with my colleague, David Walker. And I'm David Walker, a similar time span over 20 years in dealing with the specialist medical sector. Took an interest in GP pensions initially, but that's uh, uh, spread to consultants and other healthcare workers um, in looking at the detailed calculations, particularly for GPs who've got uh, in the old scheme, the 95 scheme, very uh, complex pension records. Yeah. And um, the reason that I asked you guys to come on today is because you wrote an article about the McLeod, which we've talked about before on the podcast and written about before. But that article was just a really good explanation and it was super popular on our blog. So I thought it would be great to get your expertise on McLeod today, if that's okay. And we're going to get into the details, uh, suffice to say. Um, but shall we just start really simple? Um, so, you know, we're talking about McLeod today. How big an issue is it and who does it affect? Uh, a very big issue indeed. All public sector pension scheme members that were members of schemes before 2012 and after 2015. There's about five and a half million public sector workers of which there's probably a million and a half, two million in the, uh, in the NHS. And the vast majority of them are going to be uh, affected. So in terms of numbers, huge. In terms of cost, the government of Treasury have put a, an overall cost to the taxpayer of something like £17 billion. I haven't seen a breakdown of what that actually reflects, whether it's in terms of administrative costs in uh, addressing the issues that have arisen from the, the cases, um, or whether it's just the case of... Um, a, extra pensions that are, are due to be paid. But it's huge in terms of IT systems um, right across the board, 
down to GP surgeries and the, the sort of payrolls that they use. So it's massive, massive issue. Yeah. Um, and in terms of who it affects, I mean, who is affected broadly? The public sectors all introduced new pension schemes in 2015. Uh, basically, everybody that's transitioned over into those schemes. Um, there was a protected element of older members that uh, stayed in their original schemes, but everybody that's gone over or is due to go over into the new schemes before the 31st of March 2022 will be affected by this ruling. Yeah, okay, so a lot of people going forward are going to be affected. Um, and it's called McLeod and Sargent, and that's because of two legal cases that were brought. So could you give us the background of these legal cases, uh, how and why they arose in the first place? Uh, yep. The public sectors, it was, I think it was under the, uh, the, the Blair government that they determined that public sector schemes were pretty much unsustainable in their current forms. Uh, a report was commissioned by the government's uh, which engaged Lord John Hutton, who was a Labour peer, to examine all of the public sector schemes to see what might be done to make them sustainable and self-financing, effectively, uh, go going forward. Uh, he produced an, uh, an interim report in 2011 and then a final report in 2012, which um, provided a lot... Um, a huge amount of detail. They're about 200 pages long, these, these reports. But it set down a framework for how public sector pension schemes should look uh, to make them um, cost-effective um, after 2015, at the point that they were introduced. He said in those reports that members from an age perspective should not be protected. There were certain brackets that he didn't think should be protected, A, because they'd developed a lot of their pension value already so therefore from a financial point of view didn't need the protection but he also said on age discrimination grounds that couldn't be done um that wasn't taken up by the government certain elements were protected so older people stayed in their original scheme younger members went straight into the new scheme and then there was a band in the middle of the ones that sort of in between that went over on a transit on a sort of transitional basis over a seven-year period that was what the legal case was all about because younger members felt that they were being discriminated against because older members were protected in their original scheme, which had a, a lower normal retirement age than they were as younger ones. They were found to be right. Yeah. Okay. So basically, for, for the reasons that you just outlined, members have been discriminated against. And so what was the, or what is the remedy to this discrimination? Uh, I suppose there were a number of options available. The, the one that would have cost the taxpayer less is that everybody, but everybody went over into the new scheme from 2015. So that removes the discrimination because everybody is treated uh, exactly the same. <laughs> They went on the other tack, eventually, and said that everybody is entitled to remain in their original scheme right from 2015 when the new scheme started. So there's a seven-year period, what they're calling the remedy periods, from 2015 to 2022, where, as a default 
position, everybody will be moved back into their original scheme, but they will still then have the choice at retirement to enter the new scheme and have all the benefits in that seven-year period in the 2015 scheme. Awesome. So that was a really nice, simple explanation. And you make it sound uh, reasonably simple. But if you think about this on a deeper level, that is just going to open up a whole massive load of problems. So should we just outline some of those problems here and think about what the solutions are, what they might be? This is a really evolving area. So um, just bear that in mind if you're listening to the podcast at a later date. But yeah, what are, give me some of the problems that this is going to throw up. From the, the client base that we have, um, which is sort of the, the higher earning sort of GPs and consultants, most will be aware of all the things like pension tax issues that have arisen over a number of years now. We've got a seven-year period where the default position will change the pension benefits for every single year in that seven-year period. Changing the pension benefits will change the exposure to the annual allowance. It will change the exposure to the tapered annual allowance for the higher earners where they get the, the reduced allowance, the standard's 40,000, that can get reduced down. Uh, so it affects that. It can affect the level of contributions as well because in the 15 scheme we have annualization um, of contributions so they get a higher tier rate of maybe 14.5% where the actual rate it could only be 9.3, maybe. Um, so all of the tax returns, all of the pension contributions, all of the tax relief positions, uh, annual uh, allowance exposure, everything must be examined for all of those years in between and changes to scheme pays elections, um, repayments of tax, as we're expecting in certain cases, because the, the reversion to the old scheme has got a slightly lower growth and less accrual. So it, it, it's just a huge, huge expanse of uh, checking, um, examining in detail, calculations. And at the moment, we are suspecting that NHS pensions are not going to be geared up for this. Yeah. Um, let's talk about, should we talk about now, because on the medical grapevine, doctors love to um, talk about this kind of thing to each other. Lots of people are saying, oh, well, I'm going back to the legacy scheme because it's obviously better. Now, we know that it's not that simple, but could we just talk a bit about some of the, what might happen to annual allowance tax charges if you did go back to the legacy scheme because the accrual rate is different. And um, I also saw in the article that you ran some calculations for GP just showing their uh, annual allowance liabilities based on what they choose to do. So should we talk about the tax position a little bit? Yes, if, if you wish. What we expect is that um, in, in, the, in the 2015 scheme, the accrual rate, i.e. the rate at which you develop your pension benefit, is higher than the, the original legacy schemes, 1995 and 2008. But to get that higher accrual, you have to go on and work to a, a, long, a higher normal retirement age. So it's linked to state pension age 67 for most people. So, yes, the benefits are higher, and that means that for annual allowance tax purposes, the exposure under the 2015 scheme is greater because that pension benefit is growing at a quicker rate. If we shunt everything back into the original legacy schemes for that period, they have a slightly lower accrual rate, 
that should have the natural effect of reducing the exposure to the annual allowance. And if people have paid annual allowance tax themselves, that should be reclaimable. And if they have got scheme pays elections in place, those should be reduced. The whole area around it is uncertain at the moment because we don't know what statements are going to be issued. We don't know what the IT systems are going to be in place. We don't know whether the amendments to scheme pays elections are going to be automatic or whether we've got to resubmit them. There's a huge amount of uncertainty, but we are expecting the lower accrual rates to produce, in many cases, um, refunds of tax. Yeah, that's really interesting. I think as well, the key point to stress is that every person's financial situation is different. And so it's just not as straightforward as saying, you know, going back to legacy. But that is really interesting about the tax uh, position. Um, so the financial advisors are probably shouting at their podcast right now saying there's much more to consider than tax and don't let the tax whale tag <laughs> the tax tail well, wag the dog. The finance dog, yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, think that's, uh, I was, I was going to chip in there, actually, Tommy, and just say that we're talking here about very much calculating the monetary impact at the immediate level of the tax situation. But when you, you do need to consider this alongside the whole benefits package of each of the different pension schemes, and that is where the independent uh, specialist financial advisors can really add value into this conversation, I think. Yeah, definitely. Uh, definitely agree with that. And it's really good to have uh, the, the combination of like that on medics money. So this sounds like a lot of work that NHS pension scheme is going to need to do to, you know, administer this massive change. Do we think they're geared up for this? Not at present. Uh, the government realised what kind of a task th these schemes are facing. So they've been given a, a, a date of the 1st of October 2023, I think it is, in which they have got these uh, to, to get a system in place that for normal members that, that are just ongoing contributors to the scheme will be given comparative uh, information on an annual statement, so total reward statement for most people. Hopefully that is going to show what your benefits will be if you chose the legacy scheme and what your benefits will be if you choose the new scheme. Um, very Not too bad to do in most cases for those that are in uh, say consultant roles and uh, officer scheme employed positions. For GPs, very much more difficult. Uh, GPs sort of portfolio careers that mean that they get income from various sources, this mixture of um, being initially employed whilst doing training and rotations and then going on to self-employed basis. It's very much more complex records that they have. Um, and we've got the... Um, the necessity to interact with PCSE as as well, which many have found problematic in, in, in the past and, and currently. Uh, so the, the, there's getting the records right, um, which has proved difficult for GPs already when we're dealing with moving benefits between schemes. Um, uh, we've just got to keep our fingers crossed. That was so diplomatic about PCSE. I think we should just move on from there before we someone uh, opens up in a rant. Uh, the one thing I do, one thing I just wanted to say is, 
What people are not seeing going on in the background is that uh, ASMA um, are constantly working on this and indeed Medics Money as well. Me and David went to a fascinating meeting with NHS Pension Scheme and I was just sort of wanted to say to, to ASMA and uh, thank you for all the work that the experts are doing in the background on this, which often, often isn't acknowledged. And I actually had Jim Duggan on the podcast a little while ago, and he was talking about final pay controls, which I know is something that you've been campaigning for successfully in the background. So I just want to say thanks for for the work that you're doing, because it's kind of a lot of it's unseen. And obviously, you've got a vested interest because, you, you know, you, you've got to do this work. And so it's in everyone's interest to make it um, easier. But yeah, I think um, it's really great that, that we're doing that. And as I said, we, we meet regularly with the NHS pension schemes. And I've, I feel really positive after those meetings because I think, you know, they are doing it. And um, yeah, I won't talk about how we feel about after a PCSE meeting because that's just... But yeah, I mean, do you want to just talk about some of the work that you, you do in the background here? Because it's a lot of it's Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's very, very good of you to mention that, Tommy, and I'm, I'm glad it's being appreciated. Uh, we have a number of, of members of our board uh, at ASMA in particular who work very hard behind the scenes, um, certainly on the technical aspects um, where we keep up to speed with that and make sure that our member firms are aware of the issues. We also have regular update meetings with uh, NHS England and the BMA and NHS pensions as well. In fact, I've got a BMA session this afternoon um, where we bring issues to their attention that they may not fully understand. And we're able to present that in a way that helps them to understand what the issues are for their, for their um, members uh, and for the sector as a whole. Um, we, we certainly contribute to consultations. So uh, whenever those are available, we, we uh, collate our thoughts and, and input to that. And I think um, we've seen evidence over the last year or so that uh, the ASMA contribution is very much listened to. The final pay control, as you've mentioned, is, is one of those. Um, and I know, um, certainly with the work that David does on the pension side, um, NHS pensions, we, we are working very closely with them to understand how this whole process around the McLeod systems will end up working and how we can support that um, and understand it uh, so that we can demonstrate the input that's needed directly with our clients. Yeah, I think it is important to acknowledge that, you know, we are super grateful that you support us on Medics Money. Without experts like you, it would just be me and Ed talking about tax every week on this podcast, which would be incredibly, incredibly tedious. So we're so happy for your support. I think we're really grateful for the work that you do in the background. And it's just reminded me I need to send the date for our next NHS pensions meetings to David after this. Um, okay, so let's get back to McLeod because some of our listeners are probably thinking, oh my goodness, this sounds really complex. I feel like I really need to do something now. So what do doctors uh, affected by this need to do now? In, in theory, nothing, because the option, the, the default option is that you're going to go back into the, your original scheme, but the actual decision as to which benefits you want in that remedy period don't need to be taken until you retire. However, because we've got this situation where the systems might not be in place until October 2023, there will be many uh, clinicians that are thinking about retirement now because if you're in that sort of 54, 55 age bracket, if you have now got benefits going back into a scheme with a, a lower normal retirement age, it might accelerate the decision-making process that, that you wish to go through. Having the figures available um, to make an informed choice 
are just not there at the moment from the official sources. So those are the people that might need help. There are broader issues around things like uh, ill health, divorce, death, and, uh, uh, and that kind of, uh, and other sort of contingent decisions. Um, but the, the key people are going to be the ones that are sort of 55 plus that might want to be making decisions about their future. Okay. Yeah. So for most people, the answer is, as you said, no, but there is those people that are just in approaching retirement age. Um, I'm quite jealous about that, but, um, uh, okay. So for, for the people, for, for, um, the doctors, you know, what are some of the options available? And I'm aware we're straying into a bit the, the territory of the financial advisors here, but, um, could we just sort of outline some of the options, uh, acknowledging that this isn't financial advice? Uh, absolutely. Uh, what we do is, is sort of number crunch on, on these things. M many of our clients are ones, uh, say GPs, for instance, that have an ability to uh, reduce commitments to practice with a, a view to sort of winding down to eventual re retirement. So the, the work that we're asked to do is projecting forward to various ages given uh, differing commitments to, to the partnership. Um, the other option that we also get is opting in and out of schemes um, or outed in, um, uh, doing 24-hour retirement, What's uh, what if I cancel my added years contract, all, all those kind of things. So looking at the cash benefits of a particular action compared to maybe a reduced benefit that arises from that action and um, uh, Lots of detailed work, lots of detailed projections, again, particularly for GPs. Um, but I think they just need, want to, most of them just want to examine what is possible. They haven't got a, a definite plan in place. They just need to say, oh, all right, well, if, it, if that's what the benefit might look like, that will allow me to do this. I think, I think one of the key things is that a lot of our clients um, and probably the viewers on your podcast are not fully aware of what their actual pension benefit is going to be, um, even without McLeod. And then to have that thrown into the mix as well complicates the, the matters for them even more. And just really to help individuals understand what to expect package of, of remuneration from the pension scheme and the impact of the changes uh, through calculating the numbers is is something that they really see as a benefit. Yeah, and I, I think that's right. And actually ensuring that the record is uh, is full and correct. Uh, one particular client just late last week, um, he got uh, his latest total reward statement, looked at the benefit and was really quite pleased with it. Um, fortunately sent it through. There was £350,000 worth of missing income. And that makes a difference of about £5,000 to his pension. And in his case, a lump sum of £15,000. So um, what looks pretty good and reasonable might not be right. Yeah. And I think of all the experts that come on the podcast and talk about these complex subjects, their number one tip is keep the paperwork and check the figures. Um, Absolutely. Any tip? I mean, it's so hard to check the figures and that's why, you know, specialists like you are around. But if you are a GP or, or so on, any sort of tips to spot errors or, or do you need a specialist to look at it? 
It's especially certainly helps. Um, the main thing is, is looking at it line by line, I find. Mm-hmm. And the records are there. So you can obtain a full service history to make sure that a lot of the time, say your early rotations in hospitals, you're doing six months training in one department, then you move on and those have all got to be there. That makes a difference. When you go into practice, the pay for each year should be itemized uh, and you've got to make sure that that's all there. Again, if there are missing years or one year looks particularly low or one year looks particularly high, there has to be a reason for it. And you might well know that reason because you'll think, oh, that was the year I did the extra out-of-hours work or, or whatever and re- really hammered it. Um, but if there's if there's anything missing, it really needs to be looked at properly. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. Some stuff that people can think about themselves now. Okay. So we sort of talked about sort of some superficial issues. I mean, there's so much, isn't there? Like um, lifetime allowance protection, divorce cases, um, ill health benefits. Do you want to? Do you want to go there today or not? Um, perhaps not in too much detail, but there's going to be those key people where, say, death has occurred or ill health retirement has occurred. They still need the option because the ill health benefits are going to be different. The death in service benefits are going to be different depending on which scheme that you're in. All of those families are going to have to be contacted by NHS pensions. and They are viewing these very much as the priority because benefits that have been put into payment need correcting as soon as possible. Um, The theory is that NHS, NHS pensions will write to all of those people that have a choice to make about things that have already happened. Yeah. Uh, okay. That will be good. Um, another thing which we get asked loads is about contingent decisions. So could we just talk a, a bit about what contingent decisions are and how it might look in the future? It's a very gray area just at the moment. The consultation response from the government said that people that have made a decision based upon, and the guidance is very specific on this, if they made a decision to say opt out of the pension scheme, and it says because of the discrimination, that can be reviewed once you go back into your legacy scheme. How how tightly they are going to interpret the, the phrase, you made a decision because of the discrimination against made a decision because of what resulted from a discrimination, i.e. could be extra allowance, uh, annual allowance charges, uh, typically. Um, Very difficult to know at the moment because it's a subjective thing. It depends whose desk it comes across when you want to reverse that decision, um, how they view it. If it's just because of, say, annual allowance tax charges, they arose because of the higher accrual in the new 2015 scheme. You don't want to pay the extra high tax charges, so you opt out of the scheme. Have you opted out because of the discrimination, or have you opted out just because of tax charges? Because there might well just be tax charges, but slightly lower ones in the old scheme. Will they then let you opt back in and pay all the back contributions because of that? We're not sure at the moment. Um, 
that yeah, very subjective. We're not going. We're not sure at all how it will be interpreted. We will just have to see. Yeah, um, as I said at the start, it's a rapidly evolving area. Um, so stay tuned and uh, to the Medics Money podcast, and we'll uh, let you know when we know more. All right, that was an amazing run through of a really complex subject. Um, there's a lot to think about, but if you could just <laughs> distill it down to one or two pieces of advice, what would it be? Um, in essence, you've you got to speak to people like us. <laughs> Uh, it, it really is such an evolving area. It's a highly complex area in certain cases. There are things that you will not think about. Uh, you, you touched on one there about lifetime allowance protections. Mm. We have an enormous amount of GPs that used to have, say, uh, enhanced protection, which because they went into the new scheme, um, uh, had to be withdrawn. Is that able to be reinstated? People might, I mean, these things were applied for 13, 14 years ago. Uh, they've probably forgotten all about it. They can't even remember whether they had it in the first place. We've got the records to say whether that is for our clients the case or not. So how do we do something about it? Can it be reinstated? Will a new application have to be made? So we, we, we really do need to think about stuff in a lot of detail, and that's where we can help. I think take, taking advice um, at the right time as well, because, um, as we've mentioned, that there are a lot of uh, individuals that will eventually be affected by this, but the advice may not be immediately needed. Um, but certainly to prioritise um, professionals who are thinking about the run into their retirement and needing to know what their uh, pension payments will actually be. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you so much for supporting Medics Money. I know we're keeping you pretty busy. Um, now, I don't know what you want to do about this because last time we you gave out your email on one of these. Uh, I think you got a thousand emails, David. But um, <laughs> what, what do you want to do? Seriously, do you want to? <laughs> I don't know. I'll leave, I'll leave that up to the boss. What do you want to do, boss? <laughs> I think we, we are happy to share our contact details. I think we will, end, we will work out how to filter it um, ourselves at this end, I think. Okay, I'm going to say that I'm going to put your contact details in the show notes again then because... Um, yeah, last time we gave out Dave's email, um, you were quite... Well, I didn't hear from you for a while, to be honest, Dave. <laughs> Perhaps we should, um, we should just give you our, a, sort of a more generic email rather than Dave's individual one. That might Let, let's do that. I'll drop that in the yeah. show notes so that anyone yeah. who wants your expertise can get in touch with you. Um, and just thanks once again for coming on today, educating um, us about this. It's such a complex area, and we're really um, pleased to have specialists like you supporting what we do on Medics Money. And I will put the contact details in the links below. I'm very grateful for the opportunity to be involved. Thank you. Thank Take you. care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.